Welcome back to episode 36. I'm joined in a studio today with Mums to Marathon, that is Alan and Philly. Such a pleasure to meet you both in person. I've been really looking forward to today's podcast. Do you want to maybe introduce yourselves a little bit and who you are? And hopefully everyone can pick up our different voices and know who's speaking. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah obviously the, the listeners can't see, but we're in quite an official studio. Oh, we are. It's very exciting. Awesome. Um, yes. yes, you kick it off, Philly. I kick it off, yeah. yeah. I kick it off. Uh, I'm Philly, so I am obviously one half of Mums to Marathon and... Outside of, I guess, running, I am a mum of two. Um, so I've got two girls, five and seven, uh, also a wife, so I do have a husband. Um, and I'm a financial advisor, so a qualified financial advisor in the insurance space. So uh, I guess a wee plug for the company, yeah. uh, co-founder of r Insurance, so Rochelle and Philly, and Risk and Protect is what that stands for. So very lucky to be self-employed and I guess have the flexibility within being self-employed to step out and do training and be a mum and do all those things so it has really allowed for balance which is great so you sure it's balanced well <laughs> some days it's balanced yeah. yeah the pendulum swings but yeah. overall it yeah it is a good balance yeah, yeah so that's good about me Yes, and I'm Ellen. If you can pick up my voice, I'm also a mum. I've got a daughter, Sophia, who's six at the moment, and Henry, Hurricane Henry, <laughs> who's four. Um, they keep me on my toes. Philly can't believe some of the messages I send her sometimes of the mess that they create. But anyway, um, I've got a husband, Jamie, and we own a business called Total Span North Canterbury. Like, who can total span? <laughs> so there you go, that'll be stuck in your head. Um, so we've had that for about 10 years now, and we went into that. Um, we had a little stint in Aussie after the earthquake, so I was teaching before that. So I'm a qualified primary teacher as well, um, which I go back to off and on because I do miss it sometimes. Um, however, yeah, in the total span business, we um, build sheds, garages, commercial buildings, mainly in the uh, Rangiora, Kaipoi, Kaikoura sort of region um, and yeah we love that. I went back to uni again and did my master's in business to, to help Jamie because when we first got in there he didn't even know how to uh, save a file or send an email so it was, it was a massive learning journey and uh, we did all the hard stuff like move back with mum and dad when we were 32 and got through that so no that's good um, at the moment yeah running sporting, mums to marathoning, and yeah, I suppose we'll get into that as we talk through. So you've studied, obviously, teaching, and then you did business, and now you're studying sport and exercise, <laughs> I'm a, What do I call it? A uni slut. Am I allowed to say that? <laughs> a bit of a uni slut. Um, so I started Bachelor of Arts. When I sort of left school, I took a bit of time to figure out what I wanted to do. I was never a scholar, so don't think I'm a scholar, because I'm not a scholar. Um, you did go to Rangiruru though. I did, I did go to Rangiruru <laughs> and that probably served me well, um, but no. Um, so what did I do first? Yeah, the BA, then I went and worked at the family courts and that for a little bit. And um, after that I was like, what am I doing? I worked in an office job, I hated it, I was like, I can't do this. Uh, then I went and did the teaching graduate diploma and went into primary teaching, loved that, did that for a few years, um, bit of travel and that with the family and then when we took over the total span business I was like what on earth are we doing, um, this is hard so yeah did a master's in business degree to help with that and it tied in really well with that actually um, and then yeah move on from that um, this year looking into some sports science, it's just how things have evolved really. Um, with my interests and I'm trying to sort of align my passions with what I'm studying and filling those gaps 
looking at doing some sports coaching and things like that in the future, which I've done a little bit of in the past, but um, yeah. And this is born from Mums to Marathon. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about when Mums to Marathon (laughs) (laughs) Marathon. Marathon kicked off and yeah, what your purpose is? Yeah, I guess uh, I've always wanted to run a marathon. It steps back to to like eight years ago when I did start actually training for a marathon. And I I won't sort of go into the the, the reasons why that didn't eventuate, but it it didn't. And it was a really hard pill to swallow at the time. And I always wanted to go back to it and sort of had kids and career. And and so this year, we started last year, it felt like it was the right time. I just felt like the kids were a bit older and I'm going to give this a crack because literally it stayed in my mind that whole time. Like there wouldn't be a day that that went past in the eight years that I wasn't like, oh God, I just want to run that marathon. Uh, And so I kind of dragged Elle on board. I don't think it was ever something I could do on my own. I really wanted to do it with somebody, mainly for like the journey, but also just that accountability. And there's a lot of early mornings, and I'm just not sure I would have done that on my own, if I'm honest. Uh, so, so that's sort of where it kicked off, and we were literally sitting in the park. I remember. Yeah, it was the start of last year, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, January and school holidays last year, we took the kids for a bike ride, and we sat there, and we thought, well, let's just actually just get a, a separate Instagram page going because I don't want to annoy my family and friends, and you didn't want to annoy your family and friends with running content because there's nothing <laughs> worse if you're not into running than just watching people run. Uh, and if they want to follow, they can, and if randoms want to follow, they can, and then here we are, we've got not a massive following, but I guess 660 random. Yeah, oh, I think we're nearly at 700. Oh, there you go. Uh, but quite engaged followers as yeah. well. And, and that's the cool thing is sometimes I think you don't have to have 50,000 people to be watching. I think just actually having a really cool engaged group's been really nice. And so Mums to Marathon, yeah, obviously we are mums and, and we wanted to share that journey. But what's kind of, I guess, evolved along the way is that people have come on the journey yeah, um, with us, with so. us, either mm. watching it and following or or actually coming out with us on the group runs that we've had. And, and that's been the cool part of it is that you've met these strangers that are now actually become friends and are really... Um, you know, really good supporters and cheerleaders of, of what we're doing. And we really felt that throughout well, this year as well, but throughout last year was was just incredible, the, the, the support and the messages and the questions. And, and I guess um, we want it to be a place where not just mums, but, but any female or male can step into and be like, hey, I might just go for a run with those girls and just... Mm-hmm. We are never at the front of the runs. We're actually quite plotters. So we're always at the middle or in the back. And do you know what? I actually think people like that. We're not there to pace a group of runners. We're actually just there to bring people together, have a bit of a laugh, have a coffee after and, and get some exercise in. Which makes it super approachable for people who mm. might be new to running too. Because, you know, I think everyone's always scared of showing up to a running group and then they're like, oh, is it yeah, going to be intimidating? Gallops off yeah. into the distance and you're left behind. Exactly. That is scary. Yeah. I agree, and I think that's something that we haven't necessarily been really conscious of at the start, but something we're conscious of now, mm. um, because people have come along and said how nice it feels, so we really want to keep that. And there has been a few people who have messaged um, asking about the runs and saying, oh, I'm a bit nervous, I, I want to come, but my friend can't come with me. And it's been really nice that they've felt like they could message us that because mm-hmm. then we've been able to be like, it's okay, we've set out a run where it's an out and back, you just do as much as you can. Um, so we try and, yeah, as, as we've gone through and learnt things along the way about different um, people's capabilities and how, what they feel comfortable with doing, we've been able to adapt the runs to suit, yeah, mm-hmm. all sorts of people and try and be as inclusive as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Mm. But I think like the biggest thing as well, as I was saying to someone on our run on the weekend in the rain, like I think people think, you know, we are like, oh, you guys keep us so accountable for our running. And the thing is like, the Armstrong Marathon keeps us accountable as mm. well because quite often I'm like, oh, I actually just can't be bothered. But I'm like, no, we haven't had a run for the week. We've got no content up. I need to go for a run. And so it actually keeps us just as accountable mm. as, as what we are. Yeah, we love it when someone sends through like a photo or tags us in on what, you know, something that they've felt really proud of they've done that day. Maybe they got up super early in the morning and they got out there and did a run or they were going, we had a girl in our group message last night who was out, almost at dark, going yeah. for a run to fit it in. And I'm not saying you have to do that all the time, but it's so cool that people share that with us because it motivates us as well to mm. think, right, I'm going to get out there today and clear yeah. that head. Yeah, Wonderful. So something unique about Mums to Marathon is obviously your mums and it's quite a local-based Christchurch group or you have Christchurch runners. But is there anything else that you think makes Mums to Marathon particularly unique compared to, say, other running groups or running clubs? I think um, there are a lot of run clubs out there and we often look at them and try and make time to go to those as well but then we really like what we've got going. We find it is quite unique so I mean we try and make it in the weekend, a run in the weekend so it fits within our schedule. Um, more woman based. A lot of the other groups um, can be quite male dominate or, or pace dominated um, keeping it relaxed, having that time to catch up and socialise afterwards. Yeah. What else do you think? Yeah, I think I, you know, I've spoken to a few people that have been to run clubs, and it, and it really, it sometimes is a, a one size fits all in terms mm. of you know under five thirty pace type thing. And God, we can't even hardly do that. So <laughs> that's definitely not us. But I, you know, yeah. So I, I think for us now, we've got you know different people that are faster. We've got a middle group. We've got a. Um, you know, a tailgate Charlie, and that's quite often me, to be fair. I'm usually that person at the back, and that's fine. And I think I think that's what has kept people coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we're smart, us women, and they figure it out when they get there. They, they, the more they go, they write, oh, this girl, she's around about my pace, so I'll run with her today yes. up the front. So, I mean, some of them are going 4.30s and stuff up the front there. It's, mm. You know, it doesn't matter, and they can sort of just work it out for themselves and mm. slot in there, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really nice. Yeah. Cool. And what's your own journeys with running been like? Have you always run yourselves or is it a new new interest? Yeah, I probably, um, I played a lot of team sport growing up into probably about the early, early, early 20s and a lot of netball. And I think I got to the point where it was raining a lot. <laughs> cold down at Higley Park. cold and, uh, you know, not everyone's on the same commitment level and, you know, people don't turn up to train. And I actually just got quite sick of it and I wanted something that I could control a bit more myself. And if it was raining on a Saturday morning, I didn't have to go, which is quite ironic now that I actually do go out running in the rain. In <laughs> the, the cold and the snow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, whatever. At that point in time, I just sort of had enough of that and so I wanted to get into running and, and that's sort of where it started. I think, yeah, around that age 20. I think I ran my heart first half marathon at um yeah maybe 23 or 24 maybe uh like two hours 20 it was very slow hey 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 oh well no it's not slow it's slow for me <laughs> very slow for me though i guess and but i didn't care and you shouldn't for your first like yeah, it doesn't, it's it's high. yeah. and then i just sort of progressed through there and so i think i've run about 10 or 11 now Fantastic. And, but that's sort of where it started. And I just got, you do get hooked quite quick, don't you? I think that challenge, I, I love running. There's so many parallels with running to life. Mm. And I love that 
events in particular, you learn so much about yourself and training for the event and the journey and there's so much growth. I, I love I love that. Mm, yeah, completely agree with that. But we both had to start back at square one after kids and that, that's quite tough. You know, you go from being quite fit to literally starting from square one, mm. you know, however many weeks or months postpartum and your body feels different and it sure as hell looks different and that's been a whole challenge altogether and then you do that again the second time round and yeah, it's definitely been a journey. Mm. Yeah, so I, my relationship or how I got into running really, I did a lot of team sports as well at school, loved that, frothed off that. Mm. Um, bit of water polo, bit of netball. Um, and then, yeah, sort of after school, similar, after, after children really, I think I liked, I still liked that challenge, that competition type challenge, the mental battle of doing something and feeling like you've achieved something. And running was never natural to me, um, although my mum, she used to be a very good runner. I don't know why the genetics have not flowed through, but anyway, I think they um, have. some of them have. The, oh, yeah, okay, it shouldn't be too mean. No, I have picked up lots of lots of good things from from my mum. But um, yeah, so I started with the odd half marathon as a bit of a challenge. Um, yeah, I think I was around that two hour thirty time. Um, that sort of happened for a few years. It was more about completing it and the mental battle of completing it. Um, and then, yeah, we were sitting actually at um, the children's dance one day, dance lesson, weren't we, ballet, and Philly, I'd sort of only just kind of got to know you, um, and um, her and another girl were having a chat about going in the Hawke's Bay half, and I hadn't done any running for a while, I'd just got through the, the first child or the second child, I can't remember, they all blur into one, <laughs> um, and Philly said, oh, we're going to Hawke's Bay this year, Hawke's Bay half, do you want to come with us? I've got the accommodation sorted, I've got everything booked, I've got dinner, but this is like 12 months in advance, of course, I know, yeah, 12 months in advance, I've got the meal booked for the night before, I've got the, the best pad in the Hawke's Bay, um, you know, there's a bed for you there, and I was like, oh, I was a bit nervous, and I was like, oh, these girls are so much better than me at running, and I had all those, that self-doubt come in, and I was like, no, actually, take this opportunity and use this and try and enjoy the journey because a lot of my past running was more focused on burning calories and that whole body image morphing in as well as the the competitive aspect of of showing myself I can do hard things but yeah I was like I'll grab this opportunity and then yeah we trained for the old Hawke's Bay half and yeah there was a lot of um good times on on the adventure for that and then from there basically it moved into uh philly saying can you do a marathon with me and i was like no <laughs> and then the oh, next day i was well, like you are. <laughs> i was like maybe i can do this and philly helped me believe in myself too so yeah and how's that journey evolved for you with you know exercise was once something that was just for say body image or burning calories etc and now like with a focus on food is for performance and i eat to feel my runs and recover and what's that process been like? Yeah, so I might as well start right back because it's, it's quite entrenched, I suppose, when we think about our relationship with food and it all starts from when we grow up and we always had a really, um, my mum was great with feeding us really nutritious, healthy food. We knew all the, the right food to eat. Um, somehow along the way, I managed to, in my mind, think of food as like good and bad food. Um, which wasn't very healthy and then that sort of steamrolled into a lot of um, body image issues um, thinking I was fat when when I look back at photos I was not fat <laughs> as many people do they think they're fat and they look back and they're like god I wish I looked like that now um, so 
yeah, the battle with with food, um, I did like exercise. So I had that bonus and I felt I always tried hard with the exercise, but I felt I wasn't getting the reward of the body that I wanted. So it was sort of like a, a bit of a good and bad battle in my head with um, food and it really led into probably in my late teens um, having quite a battle with, I'd call it, well now that I've learned a lot more about eating and disordered eating I'd call it probably disordered eating or a, or a warped view of what I looked like and what I thought I should have looked like um, body dysmorphia I've heard all these terms lately but um, <clears throat> I never knew about any of it back then and yeah it used to just consume my mind just the whole dieting cycle um, so the focus on food back then wasn't really on performance it was more on what I was eating how many calories it was how many am I going to burn on the run um, or my exercise and yeah it consumed a lot of my brain which is pretty sad really looking back at a teenager mm. with that consuming probably 80% of your mind in a mm. day um, and it's no one's fault but I think some of the beliefs that we set up in ourselves when we're younger um, can be suppressed and then come out in unhealthy ways as we get older um, yeah we can talk more about that later but that's just a touch on on that and where it sort of came to but whereas now um, going back to comparing to the marathon journey last year and working with you Kushla um, I learned so much like I, I know about what to, I think we all know about what to eat how to eat how you should eat what's a good balance that type of thing but um, with sports nutrition what I learned last year was um, just little things I didn't actually know so like fueling your race with you need a certain amount of what is it grams or whatever of carbs grams is it you measure it up? yeah grams of carbs per hour and it's all individual and we tried out a lot of things on the long runs and what worked and what didn't work what works in your tummy so it was actually quite complex <laughs> Kushla but you made it simple which was nice Good. and you told me what to do so I did it I listened and um we got, got there and we got a, a race plan together and yeah so like I learned a lot on that journey about many many different little tips and tricks and it's not just the race it's Things like that breakfast. Do you want to talk about the old breakfasts? Yeah, well, I think I was having my first quote. I was having quite a um, protein-heavy breakfast before I run. Mm. And that was the one thing you sort of, you know, called out straight away when we went through my food diary. And I, I mean, I had no idea. Like, I just didn't. I mean, I, I know, yeah, it wasn't like it was an unhealthy breakfast. It was oats and stuff. But it was very protein-heavy. And so, actually, when I changed that around with your help and made it a carb breakfast... It actually was quite game-changing in the performance side of things from those long runs. Mm -hmm. That was one thing that I learned quite early on from you. Um, again, I probably, um, I've never eaten unhealthy, but for me, my weakness was like that three o'clock period of time. So if I hadn't had enough protein throughout the day, then I found that space really hard. And I had a massive sweet tooth. Like, I'll go into a cafe. Oh, me too. Most people would go towards the savoury cabinet and they're like, oh, that frittata looks good and that spinach muffin. No, no, no. I go to the other side. Give me the fudge. Yes, yeah. give me the muffin. The, the lolly sweet cake. muffin. The lo I'm I terrible. love lollipop. Oh, no, it's my favourite. So it's terrible. And so I, you know, I, I've changed my habits a lot around food and how I think of it and making smarter choices, I think. So having you know, your sheets, just even that basic one around the wrap, you know, the dressing, the protein and what to put in a wrap on the fridge. It just reminded me of, okay, yeah, cool, that's easy. I can do that. I can make a couple of those, chuck them in the in the yep. lunchbox and away we go. So it was about, nothing was complicated and I didn't have to go out and buy 
blue, green, yellow, pink quinoa. And, <laughs> you know, stir it in with pomegranate molasses and like none of that. You know, there's none of that. It was yeah. just all simple, really affordable, healthy mm. things, and that's probably what I took out of it and loved it. And yeah, the the race nutrition that took me probably a bit longer just to try a few things that worked for me, um, and also around the hydration. So mm. I was actually putting too many scoops of pure in my stuff and over hydrating and that was having the same effect of dehydrating and I didn't actually click for that um you and Ben helped me figure that out for muscle concepts in the last week thank god mm. and so come race day I had it on point and I felt so good and and I think the recovery of our runs as well you know you see a lot of athletes in a marathon near the last I mean we're all exhausted but the last five k's is where you actually see I think we're people have done good nutrition mm, and, totally. and were, like we felt really good after, you know, we didn't, we weren't really, I mean, we were yeah, a little bit well, sore, yeah, but we recovered really well and bounced yeah. back really well. And I think that's, you know, a massive thank you to you mm. because you obviously, you know, implemented those really good structures throughout the whole journey mm. for us. So thank mm. you. You're welcome. Yeah. It was such a pleasure to work with you both. I always looked forward to catching up. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. And yeah, I mean, anything, you know, I've, work with many different people and the advice I give is only as good as what you do with it. Like I can't mm. do things for you. Mm. So um, it's also well done for you two ladies. You know, it was fun. Amazing. It was fun learning. And, and I think it's the thing if people think, oh, I'll just run a marathon, but it's just not run just running. Like, you know, there's the massages, there's the, you know, there's the nutrition, there's the, it's just so Oh, the osteopath, the needles and the right, leg, the, the glucose in, injections. The injuries. The like injuries. it's a, quite a big beast and mm. it's not a cheap beast either. And I think that's the other thing as well is that, yeah, it, it can be actually quite an expensive exercise doing marathon. The time you do, you know, three pairs of shoes, and if you have injuries, you know, you're going to massages. It's it's not cheap. Mm. Um, but if you don't do that stuff, that's yeah. where you end up in the, you know, in yeah. the, where Shit. you don't want to be. So. Yeah. I think we were really good with our massages. Um, you've had Ben on your yeah. show from Muscle Concept. He was awesome. Um, and we'd just go regularly. So that was definitely a, yeah. a game changer. Mm. It's just all those little things like the nutrition, the massages, looking after yourself, the sleep. Yeah. There's so much to think of, but if you can kind of get everything sort of And consistent. we're not even elite. Oh, I know. <laughs> you <laughs> think the, we were? We're the bloody trudges at the back. <laughs> God, I hate to think what the elite looks like. Jesus. But we want to do well and we want to do well for ourselves. If you're going to do yeah. it, you do it properly. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's what we're all about. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. doing it half-assed. Nah. It was, I'm all in or I'm not doing it. Yeah. Yep. I find some of just the foundational things too, like you've got, say, your sleep, your nutrition, your stress, and your training volume. As soon as one of them goes a little bit out of balance, I find that's exactly where the injuries and niggles oh, creep in. 100%. And it's so hard sometimes to keep them all, you know, well balanced. And there's times where they're yep. out of balance and you feel it. And I think going through that first marathon experience, you know, it was like a year-long journey by the time we set up the Instagram page and spent 30 hours trying to learn how to use Instagram. Um, I think the whole process now that I've done one, I have learned so much looking back of things like there was a time where I got sinus infection and I, oh, there was heaps of things. People don't see everything, you know, sinus infection, um, COVID had a hysterectomy last year. Someone's going in for their turn this year. Um, and yeah lots of other things that happened along the way you know emotional family all that stuff that you know comes into play and looking back it's yeah i just wanted to get across that finish line and almost pushed myself a little bit too hard i think to get back to training and to not mm. take a rest and 
And it was nothing major, but there's things that I would like to adapt if I was to do another one um, and implement and probably take the pressure off a bit now that we have done that first one and learnt so much through that. Yeah, I think your first, like anything, yeah, it's like having a first baby. They get all the attention, don't they? And exactly. you read all the books and you do everything right. The second one comes along, you're like, oh, she'll be right. <laughs> it's exactly the same. Like, I think you just, you, you are so invested because it just means so much to you. And not that a second one wouldn't, but I think, yeah, if we were to go again, I think it's about last year. The marathon was our life, and this year the marathon needs to fit into our life. Mm. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm. Something I really do like about what you both do, though, is saying about all those challenges you had last year, is you make everything you do so relatable, and that's life. Like, there's all these mm. challenges that we come, you know, that we face each day or leading up to events, and you just make it like, oh, it's so relatable. And I think that's why I really love following you both mm. as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think like Al, Al had, you know, you did, you mentioned, you had a, you know, you had a really big year last year. Like, mm. I think we all do though. No, but mate, you had a hysterectomy, <laughs> you had a quad injury, you then had COVID, which, you know, went on for a bit. You mm. then had a knee injury. And I don't think people actually realised that when you did the Queenstown Marathon, you were running that with antibiotics for a sinus infection. Oh, yeah, steroids. Steroids. You were also right. running that with a piece of loose cartilage that was behind <laughs> your knee. Like, you actually had a lot to deal with. I wasn't with. letting anything stop me. But but that's mm-hmm. it. And I think, yeah, like, it's, it's not easy. Like, mm. compared to what I had to deal with, I had, you know, like, I was very lucky. You, you had a real shit deal. I also think it's how, on the day, you can do all the preparation in the world, um, like we did similar preparation and mm. you, you had the odd thing here and there as well, of course. Um, but on the day, how you wake up, you could be sick, you could have a sore leg, you could just not feel it that day, you could have your period, don't have that problem anymore, that's right. <laughs> um, but you just can't control it on the day. And on that day, I probably felt pretty buggered from like 20k. I think the sinus infection and all the drugs and that before that had kind of knocked me around more than I thought but the adrenaline was keeping me going to want to get there, to get to that start line. I wasn't bad enough to say I wasn't going to race. But um, I think you were in pretty good condition, is that right? I felt amazing. Yeah. I had a really good day. Yeah, you were fizzing. You were oh, shouting and yahooing along the way. I was I mean, I, you know, it's not that it was easy. But <laughs> I, go faster next time, please. I didn't, yeah, I didn't have any like injury pain like the body I didn't have mm, anything and I just good. you get those days you get a day and mm. I don't get many of them so I absolutely took it but I also think like I had eight years of just waiting for that moment mm. and today was that day yeah. you know like I just and I was just like I'm just gonna enjoy it and give it everything because I have waited and dreamed about this for so long yeah. so I think yeah I was probably in a, a, a slightly different space but um you know we did it together and that was what it was about it was under five and survive and we did both of those things so yeah Awesome. Yeah. Tick, tick. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. good. And is uh, Queenstown Marathon your next event or are you doing any in the lead up? So we've got uh, a bit of fun run next weekend, City to Surf. I really like supporting the City to Surf. I've done that, I don't know, I've probably done that 10 or 11 times. You doing it, Kushla? No. Oh, no, no, no. You've got something else coming up, don't you? I'm doing Sea to Sky this weekend. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, just yeah the big fun. hilly one. Just yeah. for fun. Yeah. And then I've got three peaks plus one. Is that just for fun? <laughs> Which was a machine. Um, ask me after. She makes me sick. Rest in peace, You make me sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so and then we are going to do Christchurch half. But I, I think for me, that's just a really a fun, fun run as well. Like, I'm not worried about time. And then we are heading back down to Queenstown, child-free. Yeah, very exciting. There will be no children this year. Yes. But it was great to have them there as our first marathon. But I think it added to the stress levels, <laughs> yeah. the logistics. Yeah. Um, I think the first thing Sophia said to me at the finish line was, Mum, 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 
can I get some food from one of those trucks now? <laughs> so it was like the little food trucks. Yeah. So I was like, hey, hang on, hang on. <laughs> yeah. just oh, you, said, you said I could have food from one of those trucks. So I was like, mate, oh. I've just run a marathon. Did you not see? I <laughs> <laughs> don't get it though. They'll, they'll get it one But it day. was good. But yeah, we're going to go down. And look, we haven't really confirmed the capacity of what. So it'll either be a half or a full. Uh, I think we both have a little bit of unfinished business out there. So, you know, all going well, it will be Queenstown 2.0. But yeah. if not, then look, a half is just as rewarding and just as, just you know, you still work blooming hard to train for a half, as mm. we know right now. So, yeah, mm. we'll see what eventuates. Cool. Yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. Awesome. And with the coaching side of things, um, are you being coached? Or? Ooh, we've been talking about this the last few weeks, actually. Yeah. Al's my coach. Oh, at the moment. At coach the moment. <laughs> I've um, been using training peaks to, to um, self-coach at the moment. Yeah. But yeah. It, yeah. And I guess that sort of comes back to we learned a lot last year. And I think it was really good to have that coaching in place and, and have all the specialists around us. But what that's enabled us to do is, is learn from that. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, we think between probably both of us now and our sort of training that she's doing that that we could manage, you know, maybe a bit of that coaching ourselves and, mm. and know what we need to do and when we need to go on the hills and when we need to have a recovery. And we've, we've kind of got a bit of structure from that last year. So, but we may, yeah. we may engage with another mm. coach because what I do like is coaches need to be coached as well. You know, I agree. it takes the emotion out of it. Um, you're not, you know, it's, it's quite time consuming setting plans and, and all, and even if you know what to do, it's just like with the eating, you know what to do, but it's nice mm. to have someone for a bit of accountability. So we may look at, um, yeah, hopefully employing, mm. employing, employing, engaging, engaging with someone. So if anyone, yeah, wants to send any recommendations our way, yeah, yeah. we're open. Yeah. Cool. Two elites. <laughs> Two elites. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> What's mm. next Olympics? No, mate, we're not going to buy the lumpers. It might be spectators. Oh, spectators. No, no, no. Yeah, right. Good. Yeah, yeah. Good. Strava. Oh, Strava. What are your thoughts yeah. on Strava? Oh, you go first. Oh, I actually quite like Strava. Mm. I like, no, I like it. And you don't have to follow who you don't want to follow, so that's quite good. I like looking back, uh, say if I've gone and done Harry Owl, I like looking back to six months ago when I did Harry Owl and comparing some of the, I don't, you know, spend hours and analysing people's um, data. I like to look back and sort of look at progress, I guess. Yeah. So, you know, it gives you progress. Um, and I'm not going to lie, like, I like a bit of the fact that if I go in there and Al or good friend Sarah's been out for a 10k run and I haven't, um, well, I'm going to get my shoes on, I'm going to bloody go out now because if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. So not in a competitive way, mm. just competitive with myself probably and a bit of accountability to yeah. myself. So mm. I quite like it. Mm. Although, yeah, following you does make me quite... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the older. Woo. Right, she's been up the mountain, now she's on the bike, now she's doing a woman <laughs> weight session. I'm like, does she ever sleep? <laughs> and then somehow you fit in all those nutrition stuff. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, amazing. Yeah, so... I've had, oh, it's been both for me, friend and foe, the old Strava, um, probably earlier on in the piece, more of a comparison tool, mm. um, looking at people's paces, comparing it to mine, not feeling good enough, that type of thing. Um, but as I've, you know, evolved and developed and learnt new things and about myself, um, I probably am more on Philly's page now where other people motivate me to go out. Sometimes I do look into people's stats and see their heart rates because you do. You do what love you a good on, stat. I do love good She'll stat. She'll text me and be like, hey, great work with the heart rate. I'm like, hey, I haven't even looked at that yet. What are you on about? Because <laughs> sometimes you look at someone's pace and, oh, five-minute pace, oh, I'm never going to be good. But then you go and you see their heart rate's 190 beats a minute for the whole thing. And you're like, well, that's not really sustainable. And, if, you know, you, you just can't compare by looking at the pace. There's, yeah. there's other things. 
And, you, and like you, I like going back and looking at um, how I've progressed over a certain run or segments things like that. And, segments mm, and, yeah, yeah. So, so I say friend now. Say yeah. Friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Someone, mm. someone called it the old Facebook for running the other day. Well, I Strava. suppose it is a bit, sort of is, isn't it? Post everything. At least it can keep everything in there. Yeah. yeah I mean, fine. I know your Garmin and that does that, but at least everyone's got access to Strava. That's a good tool. And mm. I like with Strava, I mean, there's training peaks and things, but I just like how Strava simplifies the mm. volume and mm. hours. It just looks really nice, and you can yeah. get a really good summary of your training load. And yeah, like, yeah, you know, if you might go to a physio and you've got a bit of an injury, you'll be like, you know, this is my training yes, load. And it's really clear for them to see. It's the first thing they ask, isn't it? Kate, yeah. how many hours running you down? Oh, I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, they're like, you know, they know it. I'm like, Jesus, I should know that answer, but I don't. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. No, I love Strava. I think it's fantastic. Uh, there has mm. been times, I think, you know, where you're injured or sick. Mm. And yes. best not to go in. Yeah, best not to mm. look too much. Yeah, we've got a friend, Lydia, rubbish. who um, she does that, I think. Mm. When she's injured, she doesn't like to go in and look. And I, oh, yeah, I can relate to that. It's best, best not to look. Mm. Yeah, just yeah. stay in your lane. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> Philly, mm. something we were going to discuss today yeah. was, am I saying it correctly, alopecia? Yes, yes. I think so. Well, that's how I say it, so we'll just go well, yeah, with put it. a little flair on it. Alopecia. 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 <laughs> yeah, which is as exciting as what it sounds. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so I've got um, alopecia, there's different forms of alopecia, there's sort of like a universalis, I've got androgenetic alopecia, which lends itself more to the hereditary uh, and also sort of hormonal alopecia. So both of those things together is a really not a great concoction when it comes mm. to alopecia. So yeah, both my mum and then her father, my papa, have alopecia. They had it at a younger age. So they sort of woke up, you know, around maybe 14, 15, 16, I think age. And like my my Papa basically woke up and was bald overnight. Oh my uh, and my mum woke up uh, around the same age and had lost 40% of her hair overnight and then sort of more as decades have gone on. So I I guess I am quite lucky in the fact that I, I haven't had that, I guess, trauma, but I do I do have obviously very thin hair. And yeah, it's something that didn't really eventuate till probably... I would say sort of 18, I went on the pill. I was going to summer camp and I didn't want the period. So I thought, that's cool, I'll go on that and then I can skip it, <laughs> uh, as you do when you're 18. And <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't really think much more of it. And I, it wasn't until a few years later, to be honest, that I sort of clicked that it was the pill and not much was sort of written about things those days. And I thought it because I put on all this kids' weight at summer camp. Oh, don't worry, I put on. Yeah, I don't have any... Dad didn't recognise me when I came home from <laughs> summer camp. No, no fresh fruit and vegetables in summer camp. Anyway, so I sort of put it down to that. But, yeah, when I got back from the States, you know, six months after going on that pill, initially my hair was quite a bit thinner. Mm. Uh, quite noticeably so, but again, didn't pick it up till a few years later. So... Uh, yeah, in my 20, and it was the, yeah, the hereditary side of things plus the hormonal side. So I spent a lot of my 20s quite down about it. Mm. Uh, I spent a lot of money. Uh, so I tried to get minoxidil treatments at Advanced Hair Studio, which did nothing, which was probably five grand down the drain because it's hereditary. Uh, I spent quite a bit of money getting human hair extensions, which were amazing for those two years that I had it, was obviously quite a temporary fix. Mm. And then sort of had to deal with it, really, because I'd sort of exhausted the options. And, and I guess through having children, breastfeeding, and 
being pregnant, it actually wasn't too bad. Um, and then at the start of 2021, I got a marina put in because I was just so sick of heavy bleeding again and periods and all that drama. And I was like, I'm done, so I'm going to put this in. And again, stupidly enough, not really probably researching enough around the impact that it would mm. then have on my hair again because I think I just didn't care. I just wanted to sort the other. And then again, six months later, I kind of hit rock bottom with it. And I think it was about July 2021. And I remember um, being in the bathroom and looking in the mirror and just, I just lost it. Like I think I remember shutting the door and locking it so that my kids didn't sort of see me like that. But basically on the bathroom floor in tears and um, my husband found me and I was like, I just can't do it anymore. Like I'm going to get a wig. And three years later, oh, sorry, three three days later, I had ordered, I'd ordered my first wig. So it was quite a... Um, what sounds like quite a split decision, but it wasn't. It mm. was quite a journey. And I think like anything with people, you get to a rock bottom and then you kind of have to get to rock bottom to realise and find a solution and come back up. And honestly doing that, <clears throat> excuse me, was actually life-changing. Like mm. my mum started wearing a really good wig quite a few years ago and it, I saw it change your life overnight and she always said to me, I said, change your life. But I just wasn't ready mm. and you kind of got to get to that point. So I'm at the point now where I'm really confident. I think just making that decision has made everything better. I don't have any issues with my hair now because um, I have an option. So yep. now I've got three wigs and if I go out for tea or a wedding or a function and I just don't want to have my hair to deal with, then I just oh, chuck one of those on and it feels and great. it's styled and I it looks know, beautiful. It's easy sometimes. And so lucky now. Like, I can't imagine what my mum and papa went through at that age, having to deal with that, mm. when a wig looked like the wig and yeah. everyone knew you were wearing a wig. And so I'm lucky that I have options now and there's so many amazing Instagram pages and places that sell wigs. And you wouldn't even know. Like, Kim Kardashian wears a wig every day. No one cares now, <laughs> you know. But back then it was a big deal. So I'm just super grateful um, that I have options and I've given myself a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And wigs look amazing yes. these days. Like, I, I don't think I would be able to tell if someone's wearing I don't think you would. No. no. Well, yeah. a lot of people um, don't know when yeah. they watch our videos. And, no. Like, you don't wear a wig every day, but when no. you are, no one can tell the difference. And when you mention no. your alopecia, they're like, what? Yeah. And there's a thing, like, it's, <laughs> it's like anything, isn't it? Like, we think it's such a big issue to mm. us. And then you tell people, like, you're like, oh, my God, I wouldn't even have thought that you had alopecia. I'm like, oh, really? Like, I've lived with this for... Like, yeah, you always have your inner... Dealing with this demon, demon for my whole life. <laughs> yes. Overthinking so, it. And... It is quite funny. Mm. But, um, yeah, and, you know, like, people will say, oh, I really like your hair. And I'll be quite quick to tell them that's a wig. And mum will always be like, don't tell them. Yeah, they don't need to know. But I'm like, <laughs> actually, I, I like to tell people because if I can help someone else or their friend or their sister or their auntie is going through breast cancer treatment and that's mm. an option for them or, you know, their sister's dealing with a similar thing. Like, I, I just feel like it's my little thing that I, if I can just help one person, it makes me, yeah, it makes mm. me feel good. Yeah, and I think you will and, and you are by being open and honest and vulnerable about it. I think mm. there are many people that may not say it to you, but it will be helping them. That's right. You might not hear about it, but yeah. someone in a dark room might just need mm. that that day. So, mm. yeah. Mm. Crazy. Yeah. We all have the thing. We but that's the thing. Like, I think, you know, if there's something out there that someone's, struggling with you know if you want to have a gastric bite you know gastric sleeve gastric sleeve do it if you want a boob job do it if you want invisalign that's next on my list uh, you know whatever makes you feel good i don't think there's anything wrong with enhancing and making yourself feel good for the right reasons yeah for the right reasons absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. with the gastric sleeve actually that's a good segue <laughs> <laughs> um alan tell us a little bit more about your journey with 
gastric sleeve surgery? Yes, it's not something I talk about a lot because, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Um, I don't have anything against talking about it now. I feel a lot more comfortable talking about it now, probably like Philly with her alopecia and the stuff she went through and the mental battles, you know, similar thing, different thing. Um, like I was mentioning before, a lot of my, yeah, probably teenage years, 20s, was spent battling with um, a lot of food talk in my head and body talk. Um, comparing my body to other people's bodies. Um, I remember, sort of all links in with mental health, I suppose. Um, I remember one day I woke up and I think I must have been about 21. I was in a job. I'd, I'd, I hadn't gone to university yet. I went as an adult at 21. Mm -hmm. Didn't actually have the marks to make it to university straight off the bat. Funny how we think that's an adult at I 21. <laughs> 21 adult, yeah. So I woke up one day and... I couldn't get out of bed. I was just like, what is wrong with me? I just had no motivation. I didn't want to get out of bed. I just felt so low that um, I just had nothing. I'd had nothing left. For a whole week, I stayed in bed. For a whole week. Um, I didn't want to face the world. I didn't want to see the world. I didn't want to talk to anyone. I didn't want you know, to check in with anyone because I was so embarrassed. I was like, what's wrong with me? And there wasn't a lot of talk around mental health and depression and things like that back then. Mm. Um, and I was very lucky because I'd, I'd gone back to mum's house at that point and she looked after me and um, we went to the doctor and we had a chat and they said, you know, this is, you've got a mild case of depression. And, and I was like, what does this mean? And here's some pills and this and that. But um, the, the good thing was like mum helped with lots of other tools like counselling and, and things like that. So we got onto that course and that was good. And I sort of came in and out of that over my life, um, fought a lot with yo-yo dieting. Um, probably after kids was when it really got tough. I couldn't lose the weight with the yo-yo dieting. So, I, you know, I did all the diets. There was the bodybuilder <laughs> diet, chicken and chicken and broccoli, oh, steamed chicken and broccoli. That, that was great. <laughs> so oh, hey, you give me a diet, I could stick to so it all right. I could stick to it for... You know, month, two months, but then it would all come crashing down and then the binge eating would start and I'd be like, oh, I haven't had this food for ages, I just need to eat all of this. And yeah, it was a, it was very unhealthy. I'd done all the diets, there's Shore Slim, Weight Watchers, um, gosh, what else was out there? Uh, keto. And some of these may suit people and that's absolutely fine, you do what suits you. But um, I'd been to dietitians, I'd done all sorts. Um, so got to a point, second child in, was getting heavier and heavier, was still exercising every day, was getting sick of the way it made me feel. I loved exercise, but the sore muscles, the sore joints, and yeah, I don't know how I got onto the gastric sleeve thing, but I just sort of heard one or two people had had one, and I hadn't heard a lot of information about it, um, but I thought, no, 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 I couldn't get that, no, 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 people would think, what would people think, and then I went into the whole, you know, because I suffered with a little bit of depression anxiety which is more sort of overthinking type stuff over the years so it started going on to what would people think and da 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 and I sort of shared it with a few people and some of them had agreed and some of them didn't agree and yeah anyway in the end I thought no stuff it I'm doing this for me I want to um I did a lot of research like you Philly like it probably seemed like a split decision to some people mm. but it had been years and years and yeah. years of trolling in my mind and I thought stuff it I I love exercise that's not a problem I'm happy to do the mindset work which is a huge part of it mm. and I learned that um so two years ago I did have the gastric sleeve so I had the surgery 
basically you're in and out. It's bloody easy. It's probably easier than the hysterectomy. <laughs> in and out, you have a little cup of soup. Oh, I was even allowed coffee the next day. I was like, <laughs> they're like, would you like a drink? I said, yes, please. They said you could drink coffee. So I was like, great. Two sips, I was full. <laughs> it was great. Um, but that, that goes. Like, now I can eat a, eat a normal-sized meal. But, um, yeah, had the surgery a couple of weeks. And then I had to just be quite cautious the first year. I did lose probably 20 or 30. So I think I've lost mm. about 30 kilos. I may put some on here and there, but I just need to let that go now. It's more about keeping healthy and being in the right mindset. Mm -hmm. um, I think people need to remember that it is a tool, just like a PT is a tool and a, and a nutritionist is a tool to help mm. you. You have to do the work. Like, they, they can tell you all the stuff in the world. Yeah. The gastric sleeve, they take out 80% of your stomach. And yes, you'll be restricted eating for the first 12 months. But after that, you can eat a normal-sized meal. Mm. So you're on your own. If you haven't put in the healthy habits, if you haven't done the mindset work and recorrected all those beliefs that have been shoved down mm. for years and years throughout your teenagehood, um, calorie counting, all that stuff, if you haven't been able to work on that and let that go, then... Uh, 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 the weight will come back on and that is a fear I do have um, which I battle with um, but that's normal and I'm happy to keep working on that and the mindset thing and happy to answer any questions about that if you have any yeah, I think Amazing. a lot of people think that gastric sleeve is like the easy option mm. but it's so far from that for people who have been through that journey it is really intense and there's so much work required before and after that surgery um, yeah, it's just like you said, it's just a tool that can enhance and help with that weight loss. Yeah. yeah, and I think I was a little bit like out of the stereotypical person that might have a gastric sleeve. So you have to be, to qualify for the surgery, you have to have, like I paid for it myself. You can get some on health insurance if you've got a certain BMI and oh, Philly will know all about that. Um, <laughs> After three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, can apply for some of it on health insurance if you qualify, but um, my BMI was... I mean, I was overweight, yes, I was overweight, but I wasn't at a very, very high end of being overweight. So mm. I was worried I wouldn't qualify, but I did qualify, and I, I paid the money, and it was probably the best bloody money I've ever spent in my life. Mm. And, the, and the things that have come with it, I've put in the work with the mindset, um, that sort of thing, um, has been invaluable. Yeah, mm. and it's probably given me the confidence to even run the, run the marathon and be on an Instagram page. I wouldn't have done that. Mm. No, three or four years ago it's oozed into every area yeah. of your life yeah probably knowing yeah another thing that it was actually in anyone who's had a gastric sleeve i think they're bloody brave mm. like yeah. back then i probably too thought 10 years ago it was the easy way out but i think anyone who does that is is brave because they have thought about it and they have looked yeah. at all the options and they've made that decision for themselves mm. and if that's what they want to do bloody good on you yeah yeah Nice. For those listening, because I have had a few people I work with myself who have had one, mm -hmm. and it's really challenging because in the few months after, obviously, they can't eat much, and they're wanting to get back into endurance sports, and you can't eat much simple carb by itself to fuel for longer type training and events. So how long do you feel like it took you, Alan, to get back into being able to fuel with more carb-based products? for your training and exercise? Yeah, I think I was quite lucky. So I got a gastric sleeve, which is like they literally take out 80% of your stomach. Um, there's different types of operation for different types of people. And there's also something called a gastric bypass. And people mm. say weight loss surgery, but there's probably three or four different types of weight loss surgery. So a gastric sleeve is probably for people, I mean, I'm just making assumptions here, maybe at the lower end of the overweight BMI who just want sort of something fairly simple and can kind of get on with their life. Some of the other ones, like the bypass, have more implications, like you said, the dumping syndrome and stuff mm. like that. But you 
for life, you will still eat probably very small portions. Whereas the gastric sleeve, I feel like now I'm eating more normal levels of food um, through sport because I have always been in sport, overweight, underweight, whatever. I've still been in there um, and eating. It probably took eight to nine months of eating really small amounts till I could start maybe doing really long endurance stuff and thinking even about fueling. Um, I could go to the gym. I still got back into my swimming now. I was just careful. Mm-hmm. And I know everyone has a different experience, but my experience was pretty good. Like I was pretty much, I think because I was, even though I was over, over, overweight, I was still fairly fit. So afterwards I kind of got back into the walking. I got back into the swimming. I got back into the jogging. Um, and it was just eating smaller bits, but maybe more often. And like when we were working with you, I suppose just that's what I had to adapt more was I couldn't have, a, well, I can't have a huge breakfast. Some days I can, some days I can't. I get hungrier when I exercise, which is sort of like a bit of a, a battle in disguise because you're obviously going to eat more, you're going to put more calories and things like that in. And if you eat the wrong things, they can slide straight through you with a gastric sleeve too. So you could eat all the chocolate, all the chips, all that stuff and not get full because it just crunches up and slides straight through you basically, just like it would any normal person without a gastric sleeve. So to fuel yourself with the right protein and carbohydrates, yeah. And yeah, I'm probably at a, at a point near where I just have to break it down a little bit more. So mm-hmm. maybe over the run and the marathon, I would have to eat more frequently rather than like have a massive cliff bar or something <laughs> like that. I'll probably feel like throwing up. Um, we do anyway. Those things were bloody dry, weren't they? Oh, Those little bars we were having. I'm in the baby food, all through the baby food. Oh, yeah, fully in the baby yeah. food. What is, what is it? Banana yeah. custard. Banana oh. custard. Mm. Mango custard is quite good too. See? We never knew about baby food until we met you. <laughs> yeah, adult setting baby food. Yeah, adult setting. We do always feel a bit weird in the grocery store like buying all these baby foods. Yeah. Like, Don't judge me. Yeah. 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 I remember putting them in the cupboard for the first time. My husband was like, the hell have we got baby food again? My kids keep stealing them and eating them. <laughs> I'm like six. I was like, where's my baby food for my run? Yeah. <laughs> it's quite funny, yeah. 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 Oh, well done for sharing all that, mate, because yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot more, more in there. And um, I think the biggest thing is actually working with someone on mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I did that before and after. I'm nowhere near perfect now. I still struggle with a lot of um, sort of bouts of depression and anxiety and things like that but it's nowhere near as bad as it used to be and I can snap out of it quicker because I've Mm. got tools and people I speak to and people I know that work like sometimes a counsellor works for someone someone sometimes it doesn't um I've found a really great lady Sonia Cortis a well-being lady um who goes back to like your where your childhood beliefs are formed and you reshape them and how you look at them and I've actually found that for me Mm. has been quite transformational in all areas of my life yeah yeah do you feel like the gastric sleeve surgery and that, say, 12-month period after did actually help your relationship with food somewhat? Or do you still think it's challenging? Like you said, with the fear of, I guess, gaining the weight back and that kind of thing. Yeah, you go through different phases. So the first 12 months is great because the weight drops off because you can't eat anything. And I wasn't worried about that. I wasn't worried about only eating a bit and getting full. I quite like that. Mm. It was quite a good feeling, Sounds actually. Good. Just having a few wee nibbles and you're like, oh, I'm stuffed. Um I quite liked that. Yeah, so as as that first bit, it's great. It's exciting. The weight's dropping off. Um, second year, you kind of enjoy that lowest point of where you've got to with your weight. And then now I'm sort of going into that third year. I think it's more that fear where a lot of people start gaining some back. Um, and, yeah, so it, it's sort of just different things at different times, mm. yeah, to yeah. deal with, mm. yeah. 
I forgot the question. I don't know if that was the answer, but <laughs> it's always a work in progress. I think ultimately, it's yeah. always with anything. Yeah, it's always a work in progress. Um, and yeah, it's just knowing, you know, who to reach out to if you need to, and yeah. taking action really. Mm. Yeah, rather yeah. than sitting there and ruminating. Yeah. What about you, Philly? What's what's your mental health journey been like? Yeah, mental health. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't sort of had anything in the food department. Um, yeah, luckily for me, well, but don't worry, I've got no hair, so that just balances it all out. No, but just, you know, yeah. we all have our things, don't we? And that's just the reality of life. And I think, like you said before, it's it's what's relatable to people because mm. we all have those things. Uh, yeah, so mental health. Yeah, I've, I've sort of been quite good, I would say, overall, mental health. I mean, certainly we all go through periods of lows, and I think, you know, talking about the alopecia was obviously one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally, I've been pretty good. Um, Exercise has definitely helped, obviously, and I can sometimes, you know, if I haven't gone for a run for a couple of days or done something, it's, it is a little bit noticeable. Uh, my husband will just gently, politely say, maybe you should just pop out for a wee run. Um, <laughs> and he's right, and I do, and then we're all just fine. Um, but, yeah, I, I think probably for me, having children was, was quite tough. Mm. Um, and I don't know if we talk about it enough, to be honest. I think we all paint that picture that, oh, my God, it's so amazing to have children. And, and first of all, I'd just like to acknowledge that not everybody can. So I understand this is just my story. And, you know, I do acknowledge that not everyone's is, you know, is lucky and has that, that end mm. goal, I guess. Um, but it is bloody tough. And I think when you have done things like half marathons and been quite active and then you go into this period where obviously you, well, I couldn't, I just felt so tired and crap um that's really tricky you know it's like you lose a part of your identity and it's out of your control it's out of your control and you know I remember so many as new mums do sitting you know sitting nursing breastfeeding at two three four five a.m in the morning and wondering if you're ever gonna get back to having Mm. some part of yourself again and if you're ever actually going to be able to get out the door let alone go for a blooming run in peace and Mm. And then, you know, you do and your body, like I said, your body feels very different and you look different and you need two sports bras and everything. God, I think I need two anyway. Jesus. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's bloody tough. And I think, you know, if you are listening and you are sitting at 2am listening to this, you know, I think what I'd probably say is that the fog does clear and it does get easier. Mm. But what I also really encourage people to do is find that thing. So I think find that thing, which I did quite early on after having kids, and I was quite adamant, you know, find the thing that isn't work, find the thing that isn't kids. So find something that is, you know, going to give you a physical and mental release, I guess. So it doesn't, you don't have to run a marathon. You don't even have to run. You know, you could be into cycling or swimming or yoga or Pilates, but... Or sewing. So, you know, I see a lot of mums, you know, like you just sort of see it and they don't have that thing for them. And Mm. I'm like, God, I just just need that. Like, I need that thing. I don't... For me, I just don't want to be defined as a mum. Yeah. I want to be doing other things, and not even, and you know, and that's not everyone's thing. And I get that, but you know, that's why I need that career side of things. I need the running side of things. For me, that's what makes me tick, and I think that's been bloody important through having kids. It's tough. It's tough. It's not easy. You know, they suck the life Absolutely. out of you, and it's hard. Um, it's also obviously one of the most rewarding things, and I love that they've been able to watch us do this, or know they won't probably know what it means right now but one day they will and one day it will all click and that's I guess what you're trying to do as a mum isn't it is to try and mm. give them you know show them how to set goals and, and actually do it not just tell them about setting goals show them and I think 
as a new mum, and I've been through a bit of postnatal depression, and it was more that loss of identity, I think. And um, it was really hard through the public system to get any help. And if there was help, it was six months down the track. And it's like, well, I need some help now. So I think like what Philly was talking about, it's so important just to be aware. I think awareness is the key. You're aware of your thoughts, you're aware of how you're feeling, and then you think, what can I do? And if it's just something small, like getting out there and enjoying something that you like to do, then I think it will just help clear that fog Mm. and you will get back and you will find your identity again. Mm. Well, and I think that's it, like, you know, you you can can do things again, you you can have your life and you can set goals and you can run a marathon if you want to. And I just, I love that now that we've done that, like it, you know, running that marathon for me has been so much more than just running a marathon. It's telling myself that anything is possible. And some, yeah, like you said, Philly, as well, it doesn't have to be a marathon. Like some people on Sunday, we had a group run, thought they couldn't go running in the rain. Mm. And, and and they turned up and they went for a run in the rain and it was just that simple thing of that mindset I can mm. I can go for a run in the rain it was hard, hard but things. it was uncomfortable and mm. I went out there and did it yeah so, yeah yeah different mm. levels of things yeah mm-hmm. well thanks for bringing up the the child aspect of this conversation because I think as women especially you know if you're really focused on career and sport the thought of having kids is kind of terrifying. terrifying. Yeah, and especially like like you said with the identity thing, you're like, okay, so you know, career is going to have to take a back step, and I'm not going to be able to run. And then it's like, oh my god, that you know, that's really scary for a lot of women. And like I've speak, spoken to friends who have recently had children as well, and they yeah, very much talked about that and how it can be really really challenging. It it is it bloody is. And I mean, I, yeah, I I actually went back to work when both um, my children were five and six months old, and that was always the plan. I was the the main breadwinner, and that's just how it had to be. And I was actually okay with that because I was the career person. I was quite driven, and I wanted that. I wanted to continue that. So mm-hmm. my husband was stay at home dad for many many years, and he did a better job than I will ever do. <laughs> uh, he cooks, and he's amazing and patient, and I just don't have that. And and I think that's okay too. Like, I think it's about calling out your weaknesses and being okay with that because we're not perfect, mm. and it's not easy, and we're not going to be good at everything. And I'm bloody terrible. I can't – we're not chefs. We're terrible, aren't oh, we? Oh, we're terrible. I burn broccoli. Oh, terrible. <laughs> and, but that's okay. Like, that, that's cool. Like, just don't expect yourself to be perfect. But it, it's it, – it is so hard, but I think you can have it all. Mm. I think just re- remembering that at certain times you won't, mm. but you will get back there. Mm. Um, but What's that quote we like? The only way out is, is through. through. <laughs> the only way out is through. So but, if you're in a shit moment, you think this is not forever, this is hard now, and yeah. acknowledge that. And just get through that hard patch and then jump back in. It does get easier. You will get back there. You absolutely will, but you have to want to, mm. you know. Something else I'm finding particularly hard at the moment, I think it's just the life stage I'm at, is you have, it's not so much close friends and family because I feel like they understand and wouldn't ask that. Mm. But we're in 2023 and people are still asking, are you having kids? Mm. Are you having kids? Mm. And it's like, actually, that's none of your business. Mm. And that's a really personal question mm. to ask someone you don't know. It's often people like, you know, it's not your friends or family. It's no. like your hairdresser or yeah. mm. And it's like, 
they have, you know, they have no idea of what you might be going through or anything right. like that. And it's just so invasive. And I so don't know. I hate it. I don't like that question. No, and fair enough. Like I, we and won't... Did you get that at all with your dynamic that you and, and Chris had with your you going to work and yeah, a little Chris bit. being a stay-at-home dad? Did you get yeah, that? Yeah, a little bit. I think it's better now. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's a lot more accepting, isn't it? But, but yeah, I mean, I, obviously we matter? wouldn't know how to mm. answer that question because we're not in that position. But I feel for, for people that mm. feel like they have to answer it. And That's right. Exactly. Like, you just don't know what's going on behind closed doors. Mm. And I think the conversation we've had today is, you know, highlights that is mm. everyone's going through something and and it's it's tough. And I, I you know, I, I really hate seeing people struggle with fertility. I just, it breaks my heart because it's just so unfair mm. that people that want something and would be the most amazing mm. parents can't. Mm. And it's, it's, it sucks and it's awful, but... And whether it's that or whether you literally have decided we're chosen. not kids aren't for us mm-hmm. then it's that's right but, I business, think, but you're on really yeah mm. i think you're right in 2023 we need to be really careful about mm. the things that we're saying and the questions that we're asking people and yeah and that's why i am a little bit mindful of like as this mum's marathon has grown that it is not just for mums no i think it, it probably sounds almost like you need to change the name but I love the name because it, it's actually what... Well, it was our journey. It's our journey and, and it started yeah. with us. So it doesn't mean, and we'll put it out there, that you need to be a mum or that you're expected <laughs> to be a mum or that you have to go and have, get pregnant to come to a run. <laughs> um, it's, it, it's our journey and it's the community that we've formed and we just love having women, even if you bring your partners, whatever, that's totally fine. We had, mm. we had a partner join us yeah. um, on the weekend. He was great. He did some video footage for us. He was great. So. Yeah. You know, it's just show up, give it a go. Yeah. No um, no judgment. Mm. Mm. That shit, I feel for you. Oh, no. But, uh, yeah, I think all women experience it, though, isn't it? It's like once you're married, mm. and there's like that time, and everyone's yeah. like, wow, when are the kids coming? Yeah, like, and then you have one, well, and then it's like, when's the next one? Exactly. It's like, like, <laughs> it's like, slow down. Yeah. I'm still in my 20s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fun, isn't it? Yeah, I think I, I mean, I know a lot of people have children at different ages, but I was a, I would say, a late bloomer. I mean, for me, that's what I thought. That was my perception. I think I was 32 or 30-ish, whereas some people might be 20 when they have their kids. It's, it's different. Mm. I, I just like to have that career and get a lot of that stuff that I wanted to do done first, and that was the way I planned it and wanted to do it. And if it didn't happen that way, it didn't happen that way. But that yeah. was just what I preferred. And I've found now, going back to study, it's bloody hard. Mm. Nearly had about three breakdowns in the last <laughs> two weeks. <laughs> and I'm not sure. I'm just telling myself each day, you can do hard things. You ran a marathon. But yes, yes, mm. yes. Um, it's tough. And I feel for all the women out there struggling with those things. And God, men just... Sorry, men in the room. <laughs> to deal with blooming anything like you know they don't have that pressure they don't yeah, but sometimes I think they do but we just don't see it mm. like, but even like I think you know when you go you know as I said going back to work six five mm. months old like just because you do that doesn't mean you're not mum anymore and like I would still be like getting the kindy newsletters about what you know dress up day and I'd mm. still organize the bloody books and you know, like, you, yeah. you never switch off. You're always on, mm. even if you are the one travelling and working. You get the phone call, like, yesterday. You get the phone you call. You get the phone call from school. Oh, no, you dropped Come her off up. 20 minutes you know, ago. You dropped her off. Sick. Go pick her, pick her up. up. Oh, frig. <laughs> so there goes the work out the window for the day. But oh, anyway, it's, it's just managing that and lowering your expectations, I think. We put too much expectations. I do it. We're all guilty of it. And just some days being like, right, 
I'm overwhelmed, I can't deal with this, I'm clearing the schedule tomorrow, I'm cancelling this, that and the other thing, and just that's what I need sometimes, just to um, de-stimulate the brain, mm. um, clear the space, and then I'm good. Sometimes getting through the day is the goal. Mm. Mm. Totally. Mm. Yeah. So what's next for Mums to Marathon? Have you got anything in the pipeline of... <laughs> what's yeah. gonna what's yeah, gonna look, be it's next? A couple of exciting things going on behind the scenes we can't share yet, but we're hoping to. But um yeah, I think the big event is obviously Queenstown again and yeah, as I said, all going well. Uh the thing the thing is and the thing is it's like events are amazing, aren't they? And mm. I I think you'll you know, agree with us on this. Like there's something so magical about doing events. Mm. And I must say Queenstown was a very well executed event mm. and you know, everything, I just love that whole, I love the nerves, I love the build-up, I love the fact that I spent, like, 40 minutes in a portaloo before because that's how nervous I was. Like, it all is part the of The people it. you see at the, the start pe- line. The volunteers. Yeah. The, the cheering, they yell out your name on your bib. There's just and... something about it, and I know a lot of people don't do events because they're nervous and scared, but that is where the growth is. And do you know what's quite sick? Now, what I love about the, my Queenstown <laughs> Marathon, not at the time, definitely not at the time, I love that I got cramp in the last six Ks. Oh, I loved that because I look back at that and I think, that was so hard. How did I continue mm. on? And I've learned so much from breaking down in the last 8K. Yeah. And I'm like, what could I do differently this year? Yeah. Well, and also, I always sort of, obviously recently we've had the coast to coast and I always watch that and get inspired. And it's always been a thing of, I'm watching it because I know I'll never do it because I'm just not. And then you finish a marathon, you're like, actually anything is possible. Totally. And <clears throat> actually, I wouldn't mind giving that mountain run a wee crack. And so it actually opens your mind up to all these things. But unless you do events, I don't know if you have those mm. those feelings. So I encourage people to get out to events. So we, we love a good event. So Queenstown will be our sort of main one and then after that yeah who knows who knows maybe a wee mountain yeah, run next yeah. year we might have something in the in the pipeline mm. would it be over marathon distance uh look no. and that's the other one when uh, we watched um that ultra tawira tawira yes that looked very cool yeah i mean yeah, yeah a year ago i'd look at that and think get out of the grass i'm not doing something like yeah. that i'd never get from one of the other and what's the other one down the bottom of the south island Hep- Hep- i mean oh, i'd think that was totally out of my reach but i mean you'd have to want to do it but look no. i think you know opens the, up the mind yeah mm. you never say never now yeah mm. never say never it's cool yeah yeah, yeah. awesome and any specific mums to marathons events or Run groups or anything that we, we are going to get about. a dinner happening. Yeah. We're going to sort that out after yeah. this. Actually, we're going to get a dinner up. Yeah, and tune up, old mate, on the uh, oh, social media yeah. polls useless. and things. Useless. Yeah. Um, and we'll have another. We've got city to serve for those that are doing that. And I think we'll sort of try and land on a group run once a month, nice. um, minimum. Yeah, and minimum once a month. Yeah. If we're lucky, tw- twice, twice a month. Just sort of, you know, balancing everything else in, but. Mm. Um, and the thing is with the runs you can just show up to one a year you don't it's not like a sign up and you have to be there every <laughs> single time and that it's just come if you can don't if you don't you yeah. can't yeah we'll see where yeah. it goes yeah, yeah. yeah. exciting awesome. cool yeah. You got lots on the go, and you're doing a PT, and yes, oh, yes, yeah. we're loving that, aren't yeah. we? Yeah, and that's great. No, yeah, no, it's so nice. There's something different. Gets, and that was another good learn from the marathon. Marathon was the strength side of things we probably lacked. So look, we've done something about it. We're onto it, and that's yeah. We did no strength training last year. We did a bit of Pilates. That was great. Loved that. Mm. But this year, just some focused, yeah, twice a week strength training. We, you know, I just like to see if it makes a difference. It's nice, it's exciting. Mm. Quite enjoy it. Quite. Yeah, good. It's good doing a it bit together. Of variety, yeah, it? yeah, doing it together is quite fun. 
Yeah. Strength training is so important. Mm. In fact, I think it's number one of any running week is your strength. That's where everything starts. Yeah. Wow. That's she's okay. Well, late, you're the so. girl, right? So. <laughs> she knows. Yeah. I, well, I, I. That's yeah. yeah. I think, you, so you, how many times a week would you do your strength training? Absolute minimum of two, ideally wow. three, and then there yeah. might be a fourth that's like say upper body or core focus. Oh, okay. But I just feel like it makes such a difference yeah. in terms of preventing injuries and feeling strong and fast. And mm. is that yeah. based on experience or based on what you know? Or? Both. Yeah. 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 I mean, everyone different some people might find you know one to two weeks great for them and that's mm. where they can fit in mm. and then some people might want more or maybe some people mainly gym and do a bit of running to help with that it's fitting it all in like it's it is it's that's what um for us something's better than nothing and mm. it's more about the consistency so yes if we can get two in a week and be consistent with that then the little rewards will build up Whereas if you're just doing two this week and then two next month, then yeah, it's not really worth it, is it? Consistency. Mm. Are you guys feeling better with the strength in there? Yeah, I thought it was starting to, yeah, I've had a couple of sort You've of You've had a couple runs, of good old runs lately. Which I think is, you know, being off the back. And of, your ankle, you haven't had issues with that? No, that's been good. So, yeah, that was a bit niggly. In the yeah, and my knee's actually been really good, actually, looking back Even over the last got that six weeks. cartilage floating around in there. Yeah, yeah, it's floating around, <laughs> but I'm not feeling it at the moment. So. Are they just letting it float? Well, I've got an appointment in a month or something to have another look at it, oh. but um, I'm not actually getting any pain. And I'm saying Caden um, Shield, bloody good runner. You've actually had him on your podcast as well. Yeah, <laughs> Gail, Gail's going to him next week, oh, a couple sure. of weeks. Yeah, yeah. sent her along. Um, so no, he's been monitoring it and yeah, doing different things, which have helped as well. Mm, no, he's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, geez, it's just, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just a whole big work in pro- And I'm having a hysterectomy. Oh, yes. In May, so that's Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Look, thanks. <laughs> Thanks, thanks. I'm getting my bits out. So, uh, yeah, so look, it's, it's never a So, yes, moment. you will need to take your time off. Six weeks recovery. Yep. And that first tough. two weeks, because I went through it last year, you need help, so get that help in yeah, those first yeah. two weeks. Yeah. Don't be a martyr. No. 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 It's all good. We're all sorted. Good. Mm. Good on you. <laughs> yeah. Okay, is there anything else you wanted to bring up before we finish with the fast five that might not actually be so fast, but... <laughs> um, yeah, well, no, I think we've been talked enough, haven't yeah. we? Sorry about that. That's great. Oh, good combo. Okay. I always feel like coffee orders show oh. someone's personality a little bit. <laughs> so, <laughs> what's your coffee order? <laughs> Gosh, the followers should know by now. I'm pretty fussy with my coffee. This isn't really a fast answer. Well, make it fast, mate. Right, right. Small flat white, and it's got to be in a takeaway cup. because it's, it's And the reason for the small is because it's stronger. Like, you go the medium, the large, they milky it down a bit. So, you go small flat white, please. Got that filling? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't drink coffee. I wish I did. Uh, if I'm going to coffee culture, it's a trim vanilla chai. If I'm anywhere else, it's a coconut hot chocolate. Mm. It's a new thing. Never heard of the coconut. Oh, flat it is life changing. And then coconut milk. Coconut milk, hot oh, chocolate. Oh, you know, like, you won't go back. Have you just branched into that? Oh, no. It's been, no, no. It's probably been a good eight months. See, I learn think new things about you every but day. If, but I prefer if I, if I can go anywhere, I'll go to a coffee culture because the vanilla chais are amazing. Didn't know she wore a G-string running until oh. about six months ago. And now she wears nothing. See, she does one thing and then she goes to the extreme. <laughs> Will you ask you that? Yeah. Are you wearing I bet she's you're a free. She'll be a free. <laughs> you don't have to answer no, it, but... No, I, I, I would say I just wear normal undies. Oh, so you okay. wear a full brief. Full brief. Yeah. Okay. No, I wear a yeah. full brief. I've... I did push myself because get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You tried it. I tried the G. I found that it sort of whipped its way around and ended up sort of like a tooth floss thing. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got to get it so right I went one. back to a full brief mm. and I haven't gone. Oh, God, so I don't know. I could go free. I could try it one day, I suppose, now. Yep. 
I mean, I've never tried it. But well, come on. Never give say us your feedback. Never, never say never. Yeah, let us know how you go. <laughs> what was your first ever job growing up? So this is like, you know, high school, after school, oh, uni gosh. job. Because we all had a McDonald's. job. McDonald's. Oh, yours was McDonald's. That's where it? I met my husband. Really? McDonald's. Oh, that's a love story made in heaven. Uh, I was a drive-thru queen. Absolutely nailed it. <laughs> you would have too. Oh, I would have absolutely nailed it. You would have had the system. So, oh, <laughs> so good. Every order was packed beautifully and out the window. I bet you, you didn't miss anything day. out no, of anyone's bag. I was so efficient. Yeah, you would have. Oh, mine was countdown. I feel bad now. There was a supervisor called Shona. Don't think she liked me. Came, I sort of rung in sick every now and then because I just couldn't oh, bring myself to go booze. there. Oh, yeah, a bit of a party animal, wasn't I? Um, no, countdown. Countdown Northlands. That's good. Yep, yep. Well, that's I had a good shift. It was Monday there. every second week. I only had to work every second week. Lauren worked there for a bit. Yeah, anyway. Yep. Um, Favourite distance to run and why? Oh, shit. That's not a quick answer. No, I don't know if I have a favourite. Okay, for tw- <laughs> 21, because I've done it a lot and it's cool to see your time decrease or what you can do better. Yeah, yeah. probably the same. Yeah. Challenging, but not too hard. Yeah. 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 Even yeah. at 10. Love it, yeah. 10. Yeah. Only yeah. 15. We're going to do it on Sunday. Gosh. Top recommendation for dinner in Christchurch? Oh. I'm going to Midnight Shanghai tonight, actually, with a couple Ooh. of friends, and that's quite good, but I'd have to say King of Snake. But yeah. it's just quite hard to get into. Yes, mm. you got to book a month in advance. Quite so get get organised like If fully. it's just you, you could pop up to the bar yeah. and just sit there and have some food, but it's yeah, beautiful. Mm. What And what sort of cuisine is King of Snake? I'd say Asian fusion. Nice. Yeah, Asian fusion. Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Nice mm. atmosphere. Mm. Yeah. 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 Would you agree? Yeah, King yeah. of Snake, I'd say yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Cool. Actually, no, I'm changing my answer. Oh, Jesus. Sorry. <laughs> Tepanyaki, Emma Terrace. Oh, Emma Terrace, Tepanyaki, that's good. The one in the Oxford Terrace, if you come to Christchurch, Oxford Terrace upstairs. Love a good Tepanyaki. Yeah. yeah, we've done yeah. that a few times. Yeah, yep. there we go. Nice, nice. And lastly, this seems to be the trend word, but your biggest ick. Oh. <laughs> Can be anything. People being late. Yes. I'm a real, I've got a real phobia. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I agree. i got two. One is a shit coffee from a coffee shop <laughs> because how can you get it wrong? I'm, I can't make them, but I haven't been trained to make them. <laughs> Maybe so you should. If you've been trained to make one, how can it be bad? And the second one is um, someone loudly eating a constant. Mm. Like if my husband oh, yeah. that night, you finally sit down and relax on the couch and then you hear the chewing come out in full force. I just can't stand it. Mm. Mm. Good. <laughs> What's yours, Kushla? I don't know. You put me on the spot. Yeah, sorry. This is your I would agree with the running late one, though. Mm. And something I remember a psychologist saying, who I worked with at the Diabetes Centre, she said, people who run late, it's subtly saying that their time is more important than, than yours. yours. Oh, gosh, and I have never forgotten that. Mm. And I was like, that's so true. And then yeah. there's people who are always like, you know, late because it's just them. And it's mm. just, I yeah. find that rude. It's an excuse. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm not like, oh, I'm just, it's just me. I'm just always late. It's like, well, actually, make effort. Yeah. Be on yeah. time. Yeah. Agree. <laughs> Yeah. Agree. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Anything else? No, wrap it up. Been a good therapy no, session. Yeah, no. Yeah. I think we've got it all out. <laughs> Jeez. No. It's a marathon to listen to it. You have to go run a marathon to listen to it. <laughs> yeah. We could do that. <laughs> so good though. No, and good. thank you to both of you for arranging this incredible setup. Oh, no problem. Um, like we say, if we want to do something, we want yeah, to do yeah. it properly. Yeah. Right. You definitely we'll do it right. Do. Yeah. <laughs> bit, bit of an you should come away on. with one of our run trips. You should see the accommodation fully books. Yeah, I get oh, good I think I She gets the good deal and, then I get and the, the best accommodation. Yeah, but then I get bloody jibbed and paper, scissors, rock and the blooming. Yeah, she ends up in the shittest room. Triple though. single room. <laughs> so, Jesus. 
Cool. Oh, well, thanks so much for being on my podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It was us. a pleasure. Yeah, thank you.